The Falcons Audible presented by AT&T is back for another episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are tuning us in. We appreciate it. I'm Derek Rackley, your host each and every week, and I'm joined by my fellas, DJ Shockley and Dave Archer. I will get to them in just a minute. DJ's got a little fist pump there. Maybe it's because of the Falcons. 43-6 to victory over the Raiders. We will dive into the Falcons' playoff chances. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it seems like in the NFC, especially with the NFC East, it's like, there's still a chance for the playoffs. We'll talk about that bizarre Saints-Broncos games where the um, Denver Broncos had this many quarterbacks available for the game. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that and how uh, that was. We'll talk about the Falcons' defense, and it was dominant against the Raiders. Is that style of play here to stay for the rest of the season? I'll let the guys talk about their opinions there. And then the upcoming Falcons-Saints, version two this year. Is there a chance that game is going to be different than the first time around? And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about Raheem Morris and what the fellas think his chances are of remaining the head coach of Atlanta at the end of the season. We'll dive into all that. That's the rundown of what's going to happen today but let's start with our very first topic dj and dave it's time to get you guys to jump into this one and we had um we had some dancing going on during the falcons game okay so here's how i'm going to set up this first topic the falcons playoff chances is it like the ricardo allen shimmy that we saw in the game and we'll get a chance to see what that one looks like or is it more like the christian blake backflip so dj if you had to pick <laughs> are you more of a shimmy or Gosh, how can I imitate backflip on the Falcons' playoff chances? I'm going with the Ricardo Allen shimmy. And I'm going with the shimmy for, you think about it, when you saw the video, he kind of paused, and then he kind of, he did the shimmy, so he's like, it's kind of bumpy, it's kind of shaky. And that's how you look at <laughs> the playoff chances. They're bumpy, they're shaky, but they're interesting. When you watch the shimmy, it's fun to watch, it looks good, and it's something interesting to watch when you see it so it's something you want to see more so uh i'm all down with the shimmy and ricardo it was good for me so i'm all about the shimmy man yeah there at least there is a little bit of a shimmy of right. a discussion yeah. for the playoffs right. arch are you more of a backflip stick it and land it or are you in the shimmy category right now i probably can't do either one rack but uh <laughs> it at least do justice to the one but the one that's a little bit more far-fetched to me to for me to complete would be the backflip so i'll go with christian blake's backflip <laughs> i think we're alive playoff wise but me doing a backflip a little bit maybe resembles our playoff chances as well so uh but we are alive and there would be if i had a little trampoline i could get the job done on the backflip. So I'm going to go with Christian Blake's black backflip right here. You know what, Arsh, I'm somewhat impressed that you would even take the chance because – To attempt it, right? Yeah, yeah, because me getting on a trampoline, nonetheless trying a backflip because the landing is going to be some type of disaster, and especially (laughs) if it would end up being on solid ground. But, but guys, you mentioned there is a chance. Like, it's not far-fetched. Let's take a look at it. Obviously – No, Rack, break the tie. Let's let's. Oh, you want me to do it? Oh, yes. I, break the tie. You always got to break it's the tie. It's shimmy for me. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're in a shimmy category right now because if the Falcons do get into the playoffs, they're going to have to shimmy their way into it. I like what Ricardo. Hey. I got a ton of respect for Christian Blake. I mean, the fact that he just sitting back there decides to drop a backflip and land it. I was just like, man, what it would be like? <laughs> you know what though? When I was his age, I couldn't do it anyway. So who yeah, cares? But let's just think about this, guys. If you go down to the contenders in the NFC right now, okay, let's just talk about this. The Rams at 7-4. and Obviously, there was some frustrations on Sunday over Jared Goff's play. You got the Buccaneers. Yes, they started 6-2. and 
but they're th- they've lost three of their last four, and the Falcons got them twice uh, to close out the season. Cardinals, they've lost three of the last four. 49ers, they've lost three of the last four. And, oh, by the way, their next two get home games are going to be played in Arizona, not in Santa Clara. The Falcons – or, excuse me, the Vikings. Falcons beat them earlier this year. They're sitting at five and six. How about the Bears? Was – Early in the season, Arch, they were looking like one of the best teams in the league. They've lost five straight. So, Arch, if you look at some of the teams in there, you can't necessarily say that everybody's playing lights out, even though the Falcons have a different schedule to finish out the season. Yeah, everybody's trending in the wrong direction, except for the Atlanta Falcons, who are 4-2 and two in their last six games. And you look like you may have righted the ship on the side of the ball that has been was the worst for you in the first five games. And I know we'll get to that. Uh so, yeah, the, there's no question that we've seen crazier things happen. Atlanta is going to have to do a, a crazy scenario here. I believe it's going to be a run-the-table scenario for Atlanta. But you know what? That's what they said in Dumb and Dumber when they said, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance you can <laughs> run the table, uh, and they certainly can get that done. It has to start this weekend, obviously, with New Orleans. Yeah, DJ, you know, talk about the five games remaining. You got the Saints. They got two, t- two games against Tampa, and then they got road games against the Chargers, and then arguably the best team in the league, maybe the scariest offense right now in Kansas City. So we're talking about a breathing chance here, but with that schedule, can they do it with a 4-1? and one? Does it got to be undefeated? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm on the same line. I think you got to run the table. You look at what happened – at the beginning of the season where you're playing all these NFC teams and you end up losing those ball games. You think about the Bears, the Lions, games that, you know, you had well in hand and you weren't able to capitalize on the windows. Those are games that if you look back on it now, you win those ball games, you're right in the middle of this thing. So uh, I think losing those games hurt you at the beginning of the year. But at the end of the season, it's what Arch said. You got to run the table. And it's going to be a tough task. But obviously anything can happen any given week and – the only thing that, that that's, you know, you're going to get the best from all these teams. Uh, obviously, you just mentioned Tampa's in a scenario where they're trying to finish out this season and find their way in the playoffs. The Saints are trying to hold on to that number one seed where they get the bye. So you're going to get the best out of all these ball clubs that you're going to face at the end of the year. And lucky enough for us, we're, we're actually playing at a high level. So you get an opportunity to win these ball games. Yeah. And Arch, you kind of alluded to it earlier and and I wanted to switch gears because if the Falcons are going to run the table, a lot of it's going to have to happen with a defensive performance similar to what they put out on the field on Sunday. Think about this, gave up just six points, forced five turnovers, slowed the Raiders to just 40 rushing yards and 25% on third down. If you kind of go through a list of what a dominant defensive performance looks like, that kind of fits the bill. So Arch, for you, is this is this something that we can expect moving forward? Is this going to be a lasting trend, or is this more of a fad? Do you have a pulse on the defense for Atlanta right now? No, I think that it certainly can be a trend, and it's obviously already a trend. Can you keep it going? I think they can. I think when you begin to look at what they're doing, it fits their personality. This is a team that was kind of searching for an identity in the first five games. Do we play zone? Do we rush four? Do we bring more? And it seemed like they were kind of caught in neutral as to what they wanted to do. Jeff Ulbrich and Raheem Morris said, forget that. They threw that out the window and they said, we're going to come up. We're going to play press coverage and we're going to bring more than you can block. If you beat us down the field, so be it. But we think our guys are at their best when they line up tight in coverage on the outside with the corner spots. And we're going to bring Foya Luke and we're going to bring Deion Jones. We're going to bring Kiki. 
uh, Keanu Neal come bring him off the edge. We even saw Ricardo Allen come on a blitz this weekend where they switched it up with the safeties. They're doing a really good job of muddy in the water. I think that's where they're at their best when they don't give a clear look and you don't know who's coming. That's their personality, and I think that they've really blended and gelled with that personality because, hey, they got something they can sink their teeth into. This is who we are. Now let's yeah. go play. Yeah, and DJ, you know, when I was watching this game, the, 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 the words that came to my mind are some of the things that we've been talking about. And Arch, you really hit on this throughout the course of the season on the podcast is I thought of words as far as the defensive performance. Inspired, they were playing intense, they were playing with the tenacity. And I think that's where the, the weeks that the Atlanta had the lulls on defense, we didn't see that. We didn't see the Deion Jones flying sideline to sideline like he was. We didn't always see Keanu Neal with the run support like he showed against the Raiders. So I'm going to ask you the same question, DJ. Is this a lasting trend or is this a fad defensively for Atlanta? Well, first off, Rick, I don't know if you got a camera in my house or something, but my notes in here say intensity. They say effort. They say <laughs> attitude. So I don't know Love if you it. were looking at my notes or something, you got a camera here or what, but <laughs> Arch did a great job of breaking down the X's and O's of what this team, this defense has looked like. And the things that are non-negotiable that I've seen the last few weeks is what we just talked about. The energy, the effort, the attitude, those are the non-negotiable things that you see this defense playing with. And on the back end, the thing I like most is the way the style these guys are playing. The, 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 the contested catches, the guys are flying to the football. Whenever you see a guy getting the tackle, three, four guys getting to it. Then that second guy, guess what? He wants the football. And that's the best part about this defense is they're playing together execution-wise the best way you've seen. But they also play with an attitude, and they're getting after the football, which is the number one thing that we've talked about around here with this brotherhood, with this team for a long time is, and a lot of people don't know, if you've ever been in the Falcons facility, there's a ball everywhere in every meeting room. When they're walking out, you got to hit the ball. This is what this defense has been about. It's getting that football, and nothing was more apparent than what we saw last week uh, when they went against the Raiders and, and got that football out a number of times. I'll tell you what. If, if there's a way that the Falcons can make this a lasting trend, you just talked about it, DJ. I don't care what offense they play against. If they can force turnovers, you can beat anybody. If you're going up against the Saints, whether it's Taysom Hill or Drew Brees, you force turnovers, you can win. If you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and you can find a way to steal some extra possessions away from that offense, you can beat them. But if you don't force turnovers and you play uninspired, some of these teams are going to blow you out of the water. So we'll get a chance to see what defense defense it is moving forward for them but of course Atlanta giving up 32 points a game on that over that 0-5 start but since then giving up just 20 points a game so things have definitely improved for them all right so let's take a step back we're gonna we're gonna talk a little quarterback play around the NFL let's have some fun with this one because I got two quarterbacks <laughs> that are on here with me and um, so everybody that that was paying attention to the NFL this week and realized that the Broncos had to play with a quarterback that is not a quarterback on their team. <laughs> All four of the players for the Broncos were unavailable due to COVID concerns for their game this weekend. So they ended up having a young man that was on the practice squad as a wide receiver. And wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, got elevated just before the game to end up playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos in the poor thing. He ended up going one for nine for 13 yards. This is a guy that played quarterback in high school, or excuse me, college at Wake Forest, but then switched to wide receiver his senior year. It's been a long time, okay? So 
I mean, first of all, guys, make some sense out of this. DJ, when you heard this news that the Broncos game was going to happen, but they were going to do it without any available quarterbacks, your first thought was? This is going to be embarrassing. It was going to be ridiculous. And you're setting this dude up for failure. I mean, you're talking about this guy hasn't had an opportunity to practice. He hasn't had an opportunity to – there are little things that quarterbacks have to do. The one but one thing is to be able to get in a huddle and call a play with authority. Are you talking <laughs> about you asking a guy to come into a huddle and call plays who has never who has done it in so long? He's always just been listening, it. right? So the fact that he had to come in and and be that guy, I was really really scared for him. And the things that I thought came to fruition. <laughs> Arch, what were what were your thoughts when you saw the news that they were going to have a non-quarterback play start on an NFL team in the regular season? Yeah, I actually called one of Kendall Hilton, Hilton Hilton's games at Wake Forest when he was playing quarterback. His first three years at Wake Forest, he was a guy that was in the mix to play quarterback. They ended the game, John, John Walford, who's there at the same time. But Hilton, a tremendous athlete, completed 53% of his passes there for about 1,500 yards, ran the ball extremely well in their, in their zone read package. And then he switched to wide receiver, caught 73 balls for over 1,000 yards in his senior year, and, hey, he made the switch to wide receiver. The thing that came to mind for me, Rack, was he's drinking through a fire hose right now in their preparation <laughs> to try to get him ready oh, to go. Man. Can you imagine how they're trying to – he's sleeping on the playbook. They've got a guy that's got a headphones on him. There's a guy whispering in his ear trying to get – some semblance of the offense and and shocked just touched on it there was just a portion of the offense he was going to be able to run <laughs> little zone read stuff some play action some keeper game stuff what's that sound like sounds a lot like the guy we played the weekend before right a right. guy in Taysom Hill that all he did was do boot play action and a few drop back plays well he did it a little bit better because his defense provided him an opportunity to kind of grow in the game Denver's defense played crappy the whole day. They couldn't grow in the game. They ran the ball down their throat. So he didn't get any help. Certainly it was a tough day for him, and I wouldn't have wanted to be stuffed in that performance but uh, or in that situation. But uh, the only thing that came to me was drinking through a fire hose to try to absorb that <laughs> offense. Hey, Rack, hey, Rack, uh, hey, Rack. We, we, yes. we, me and Arch actually thought about calling uh, Lynch and the boys and say, hey, you got two QBs who could possibly go out there and complete a couple passes. Me and Arch say, hey, we'll split the game check. We'll be good to go, man. Uh, that would, I'm sure it, look, it might have been better than what they got. <laughs> By the way, what they got, one of nine, 13 yards through the air, 112 yards of total offense, three turnovers, and, of course, they got blown out of the water. And the one completion was like a screen. I was like, oh. <laughs> All right, so let's have a little bit of fun with this, guys. So, DJ, let me start with you. That was obviously a pretty bad quarterback performance, and we can't blame Kendall Hinton on it because he um, was drinking from a fire hose when he was trying to get ready for the game <laughs> plan. But tell me um, an instance or an example of some of the worst quarterback play that you've seen in your career. You can't go back to something in 1972. It's got to be something in your career, DJ. You start us All right. off. All right. I know you always get on to me. You guys talk about me a lot when you say give what instance, but I got two. I got two. Okay, I got two. All right. <laughs> You guys would like you guys would like the, the the second one. All right, the first one is I'm going back to 03 with Tim Hasselback. He went six of 26 when he's playing for the Washington Football Team, which they're called now, uh, for 56 yards and four interceptions and a loss to Dallas. I mean, when you complete six passes and four of them were, that's not a good day. The second one now, you guys are like this. 
The second worst QB performance is by yours truly. Oh. Back, <laughs> back in uh, 2004, David Green gets hurt. We're playing against Georgia Tech. He gets hurt like the first couple of series. I come in and I go five of 16 for like 112 yards. I throw a touchdown. No intercepting, but I could not throw a slant. I couldn't throw a hitch route. And this was Greeny's last year. So the last impression I gave. This is going to be our guy. To the Georgia fan base was, this is the dude that you guys are going to let start next year? <laughs> this dude completed five passes. I was terrible that day. Oh, oh man. I was fumbling snaps. I was airmailing stuff. It was the worst game ever. DJ, I, I like it. You know, normally, and I was waiting for Arch to jump in and just tell you, you never follow the rules. You always give two <laughs> examples. But Archie, the second one was pretty good, so I appreciate that. What do you got for us, Dave? I'm actually going to give you two as well, Rash. Oh, you'll like, no, you'll, no, you'll oh, like no. The sec, you'll like the second one on mine as well, and it's better than DJ's. By the way, Shaq, you fixed things a little bit your senior year being player here in the SEC. I think you were okay as a senior at Georgia. Uh, Peyton Manning in 2015 – uh, has a just a horrible day against the Chiefs. He goes 5 of 20. And this is a game I actually watched. 5 of 20, 35 yards, and oh. four Yanks. They actually oh. pulled Peyton Manning out of the game. That's a Hall of Fame quarterback getting Yanka. <laughs> so, shock, it can happen to all of us. So I led with that one so I could tell one on me. I had <laughs> the worst performance maybe of a Falcon quarterback ever. We're playing the 85 Bears in Chicago. I go two for 15, 10 yards and two yanks, and I got hit on every play I threw the ball. Even when I handed the ball off to Joe Briggs, (laughs) somebody popped me. That was the toughest day I've ever had as a quarterback, as a football player, because not only was I playing poorly and Chicago was contributing heavily to that, it started sleeting about – Midway oh, through goodness. the third quarter, oh. and the sleet was hitting on the AstroTurf at, at Soldier Field, and it was laying there like razor blades. So every time Richard Dent, ah. every time the fridge, every oh. time Mike Singletary drove me into the turf, it was just ripping my arms up. And ter- so not only was I brutal as playing, I looked like I'd been in a dogfight and lost, <laughs> which I did, or verified in this too. <laughs> But that was in the back end of a bear run where they set they I got the numbers are dead. They beat Dallas 44 to nothing. They beat Detroit 24 to 3. They beat us 36 to nothing that day. It was part of that bear mystique, that 85 bear team. But two for 15 shock, 10 oh, yards. Arch, Arch. I could not wait to get on the bus. I wanted to get the hell out of town. Arch, there's no way that is worse because you're playing against the freaking 85 bears. They probably did that to a lot of people. But Arch. Just to put a little cherry on top of mine to kind of put me over the top here. Greeny got hurt, fractured his thumb, and I come in the ball game. The game was so bad. I was so bad. They put him back in the game with a fractured thumb just to make sure Georgia won the game. And that it didn't get too far out of hand. Yeah, if they put an injured guy back in, Shock, you win. I think right, you win. <laughs> I don't look. I don't think I'm going to take the cake. You guys got two uh, uh, pretty good ones here. I'm going to give you two quick ones. 2001, Ty Detmer, good buddy of mine, oh played for the goodness. Falcons. He was with the Lions at the time, filling in for Charlie Batch, and they were playing the Tim Couch-led Cleveland Browns. Oh my! And you guys are talking Who about was a juggernaut. That was a juggernaut yes. team they were playing. Juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> Arch. 
You can't say Browns and juggernaut in the same sentence. <laughs> All right. But you guys were talking about interceptions. How about Ty Detmer threw seven picks in that game? Seven? He, seven. He oh, actually God. threw eight. One of them got called back because of a penalty. <laughs> he threw seven. And, and, and this might, this kind of would color in the situation against the Browns, right? The Lions, they lost this game, but they lost 24 to 14. That's How it. do you throw seven interceptions and you oh, don't wow. get blown out of the water? It's because oh, you're playing against the Browns. <laughs> the Browns. That's All right, brutal. now here's a That's quick brutal. personal uh, personal story here. Dave, I don't even know if you know this one. So I can't remember the year because we're talking about personal experiences. So I played quarterback in college. I went, there, I went to Minnesota as a quarterback, but I switched to tight end and long snapper. There was a game when I was playing with Atlanta where Michael Vick was hurt and Doug Johnson was hurt. So Kurt Kittner was going to be the starter. And we didn't have another quarterback. So they asked me, they knew that I played quarterback in college. They were like, Rack, we might need you to be the backup. And I was oh. like, seriously? They're like, yeah, after practice, we need you to take some snaps. It was Todd McClure was the center at the time. And Mike Johnson was a quarterback Johnson. coach. And he came out and he had me throw a couple of passes because they wanted to kind of see where I was at, right? I threw like a little inside seam route down the field and I airmailed whoever it was by about 10 <laughs> yards. And I think after that, they were like, all right, yeah, we'll probably just go with somebody else. <laughs> but I went right, into how, that game. How, how was your drop though? I mean, was your drop Oh, the smooth, drop was though? clean. Yeah, the drop was smooth. <laughs> Everything else looked good, but just the actual execution <laughs> of offense was not smooth at all. Uh, um, so anyway, hey, guys, that's good right there. I like that. So uh, hopefully Denver will have a little bit of a better quarterback situation than they put on the field last week. All right, quick, real quick, let's switch to the Saints and Falcons. Archie talked about it this week. Falcons are facing off with New Orleans again. Give us a reason why this matchup will go differently than the first one did. Well, simply pride is the first thing that comes to mind for me. When your quarterback has been sacked 17 times, the last two times this team has stepped on the field with your team, that includes the game last year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the first game this year in uh, down in New Orleans. Ryan's been sacked 17 times. Just from a pride factor standpoint, that's going to lead me to think this is going to be different. Plus, you can't play worse on offense than you played in that game. Offensively, you did nothing. Your defense played enough well enough to win the football game for you. They, they ran a little bit late in the game because Atlanta was on the field for 21 minutes in the second half. That won't happen in this game. It's going to be a much tighter game. Atlanta's going to have a chance to win the football game. Pride, DJ, and momentum from their performance last week. What else can you add to that that would make somebody think that the outcome is going to go differently than it did last time? Well, uh, I think you've seen kind of the blueprint of how you keep a quarterback in the pocket. Derek Carr is not a guy who's going to get outside and run all over the place, but I thought they did a good job of putting a fence around him. I think you do a better job this week of your disguises, of your looks, of muddying up the gaps for Taysom Hill so that when things aren't there or things don't look good for him, he looks to take off. I think you have a better plan this week going in versus him that forces them to be one-dimensional and you don't allow Latavius Murray to get off or uh, Ivan Kamara. You force Taysom Hill to be the guy throwing the football and not get his confidence like he did last time running. Yeah, they're going to have to frustrate him early. And I tell you, if the defense comes out and plays like they did against the Raiders, they get an early turnover, but they play intense like we talked about. They play inspired. And as Arch mentioned, they play with an attitude that they're going to put a whole lot better performance on the field than they did the first matchup. I think this one has a chance of going differently. All right, guys, our final topic here, because you, we, we talked about it early on, the change in how this season has gone. 0-5 to start since Raheem Morris has taken over. He's been 4-2 with this team. So 
now that we've gotten a chance to see six ball games out of this Atlanta, this Raheem Morris led Atlanta Falcons, DJ, give us what your thoughts are on whether or not you feel like he's done enough or he still has a lot to do to be actually named the permanent head coach for Atlanta. I think to the point you are now, you should buy stock in Raheem Morris. Uh, obviously, there's a, a ton of ball games left that can decide that fate. And you look at it, Arch mentioned earlier, they're four and two. Once you look back, you, you should be five and one. Obviously, Detroit game was something that, you know, it, it was a just a bad situation. You should be five and one at this point. Uh, at this point, and this team has played really well under Raheem Morris. Every ball game, they've been in it. You've seen adjustments. You've seen things happen at halftime. You see the different ways they've decided to play. The only game you really uh, didn't show your medal was against the Saints a couple weeks ago, and now you have an opportunity to show it again at home in front of uh, your home crowd, in front of Arthur Blake, uh, all that kind of stuff matters. I think you buy stock in Raheem Morris. He's done a good job so far, and the way you finish the season out determines if he does. But right now, I would say absolutely yes. All right, Arch, if you're logging into your investment count, and you are thinking about buying shares in Raheem Morris. Are you buying a few? Are you holding? Or are you buying a ton right now? Yeah, I'm buying a few, uh, Rack. I think that the, I think you got to temper it. You got four, five games left to play. Three are divisional opponents. We know how important those are. Raheem's done a nice job, and and, and I want to remind the fan here that's watching this, and we appreciate you by the way. Uh, but just because Raheem is it maybe potentially becomes a head football coach, which there's a chance. I think there's a real chance for Raheem to retain this job and be the name, the head guy. Doesn't mean that that entire staff stays. Okay. So I think that that's something to keep in mind because you think, Oh, I don't like what we're doing on offense or, Oh, I don't like what we're doing on special teams. Well, that's all going to be evaluated as well. What you're looking at is the man, the leader, the motivator that Raheem Morris has been these six games and there's a lot of stock that you should grab in Raheem Morris's, uh, out of Raheem Morris's corner. He's done yeah. an excellent job with that. I think he has identified and been able to, to track down that, that part that you go to to get a player to play. He's got it. He's got that ability to do that. Now, obviously, surrounding him with things, that'll be another part of the decision. But from a Raheem Morris standpoint, I like what I see big time. Yeah, there and obviously the the chips are still stacked against him, guys. But like, I don't think and and again, crazier things have happened. But if Raheem, to me, it's playoffs. Like if Raheem Morris can somehow get this team into the playoffs, it could be one of the biggest stories in the entire year. The Atlanta Falcons, the team that started zero and five, made a midseason change and a season that looked like it was doomed and Raheem Morris gets him back to the playoffs. I can't sit here and say if you're Arthur Blank, there's no reason you don't hire him, but I feel like what else does he have to do if he's able to get this team in the playoffs? Now guys, that is a big two-letter word, if, <laughs> right? There's a huge, a very difficult slate coming up with the Saints, two games against Tampa, the Chargers, and by the way, the, the Chiefs as well. I mean, obviously one of the best teams in the league, but he can, if he can somehow find a way to slide this team in the playoffs that would give him the best chance because we heard from Arthur Blank that if, if Raheem Morris goes 11 and 0 yeah he's going to get the job well he's not going to go 11 and 0 but if he can get this 0-5 starting team into the playoffs there's a very good chance that he gets this job and to your point Arch I love that point is that it doesn't have to be the guys that are on staff right now it could be Raheem Morris and then guys that he goes around the NFL and handpicks 
that will end up complementing the way that he's going to motivate his team. So there you got it, folks. That's kind of what our thoughts are, whether or not Raheem Morris has a chance to take this job. But we're going to go ahead and wrap it up right there, fellas. I enjoyed that, especially that uh, quarterback performance discussion. <laughs> I know more about you guys now because of that. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it here. I never want to go back to Chicago ever. I never want to go back to Chicago ever in my life. Who wants to play against those 85 Bears? Don't play the 85 Bears. (laughs) Don't play the 85 Bears. DJ Arch, you guys were great again this week. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. That's going to wrap things up for the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. We'll be back same time, same place, or whenever you tune us in next week after the Falcons game. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T.